0: The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com/give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek episode 172. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the spy Humongous. Humongous? <laughs> this lower. This next episode from The Lower Decks Season 2. Joining me today on the panel are Father Cory Stika. Hi, Father Cory. Howdy, Dom. And Jimmy Akin. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and reach more listeners. Uh, You want to stick around to the end of this episode because we're going to have your feedback on this episode, on the previous episodes. And I want to mention a show from another show on SQPN that you might enjoy called Catholics of Oz, featuring our friends from Melbourne, Australia, who talk about all kinds of awesome, interesting things, including very often sci-fi, including Star Trek. So definitely check them out wherever you find fine podcasts or at sqpn.com slash oz and uh father Corey, you threw me off because you called me you said howdy dom and i was just not over- <laughs>
1: <laughs> i wasn't ready oh. for that i was i should have. i should have followed up with how's it going
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: it's
2: very confusing changing things if on the not- stargate i do actually i usually respond that way and i was a little tired this morning so it got thrown in <laughs>
0: okay so jimmy can you give us a recap of the spy humongous
1: the title obviously is a reference to the spy among us, but it's because the Packleds are big. The spy humongous. Yes. Um, the Cerritos is on a peace mission to the Packled planet, known as Packled Planet, to arrange a ceasefire in the current conflict. However, the Packleds mistake Captain Freeman for Captain Janeway and also try to sneak a Packled spy aboard the ship. The spy turns out to be no threat, for he cycles himself out an airlock and has to be rescued from the void of space. Afterwards, Freeman tricks him into revealing that the Pakleds have a secret plan to plant a bomb on Earth. Meanwhile, Boimler is trying to fit in with a group of ensigns known as the Red Shirts, who have made a pact to help each other get promoted to being captains one day. Turns out, though, the Red Shirts are all talk and are too busy imitating other captains to exercise real leadership. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the other Lower Deckers are engaging in the arduous task of anomaly consolidation, which means collecting dangerous space junk that the officers have retrieved from their missions. Tindy is initially enthusiastic about this, but she sours on the experience and a mood-altering cube causes her to become enraged and turn into a giant scorpion monster. Boimler's quick thinking saves the day when he deliberately makes a fool of himself, using replicators to humiliate himself with food. This causes Scorpion Tindy to laugh and revert to her normal, cute humanoid form. The end.
0: So I wanted to start with the packlets in this in this episode because... packlets was...
1: are strong. <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
0: laughs> partly because I wanted to... Uh, the, to think about I was one thing that made it, this episode made me think about was the packlets why are the packlets in lower decks why are they the, the bad guy and they're kind of the perfect you know villain from other series that Star Trek already has because well,
1: one other series
0: right, you yeah. right yeah TNG because they're incompetent but surprisingly able to remain a problem for Starfleet mm-hmm. And that it, that's comedy gold there, right? I mean, that this is sitcom comedy gold. This is like Newman from <laughs> Seinfeld. You know, this is the sort of I'm not sure why this guy is still a problem, but he is and, he, and he's funny. What do you think like, of that as the reason why we have, say, packlets as opposed to Klingons or Romulans as the primary? Father, you first.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of thinking about it, but it's I, I agree a lot with what a lot what you're saying, Dom. I mean, it, they are very much a, a comedic race that can, as the, the episode that they showed up in, that can you know you, if you underestimate them, they can be they can be a real threat. Uh, but then they you know step on their own toes. But I was kind of what I was struck by and I, I'm sure it was a conscious choice on the part of the the producers where we see Pac-Led Planet. And it looks like a very developed civilization. The buildings don't look cobbled together like the ships are. And I don't know if they're going to if they're just doing that as kind of a you know look at these guys that they can't, you know, they cobbled their ships together, but they've got still got civilization at home. Or if that's something they're going to actually explore as part of there was something that happened in the history of the packlets that led them to the state that they're in now. Hmm. Interesting. Jimmy? so in
1: for a series like this you want to draw on star trek history for your ridiculous villains and this is set in the tng era approximately and so if you think about tng how many how many how many comedic villains do we have you know things that were meant to be threats and didn't work or otherwise came across comedically. And the pack leads are kind of ones that were sort of meant to be taken seriously, but sort of not. And so they're kind of deliberately humorous, even though to many viewers, they just came across as as failed villains. I mean, just right. they're they're lame. Um, but if you think about TNG, what do we have that kind of fits that mold of villain that turns out to be annoyingly comedic? Um, okay. F- Ferengi in their initial appearance, mm-hmm. yeah, and Armus from Skin of Evil. <laughs> yeah. So w- what have we been seeing as villains on this show? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh it for original appearance Ferengi, Pacleds, and now Armus from Skin of Evil. Interesting. Um, and if you don't remember Armus, that was the pool of, of oil that killed Tasha Yar. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, Which we get to see at the end being mocked. Yes. Yes. So they're essentially revisiting the next gen classic villains that weren't actually that threatening or that came off lame for one reason or another.
0: And I think if the Ferengi hadn't sort of been redeemed by DS9 in many ways. They could be the main villains. Now. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's true. But but I like that we have this you know multi episode arc with the pack leads. I've mm-hmm. I've talked before about how I like what they're doing with the pack leads. That I think they're a great villain for lower decks. And I mm-hmm. like that they're that they're turning this into at least what looks like at least a season arc. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is uh,
0: according to uh, the uh, Memory Alpha website. This is the third pack led. Primarily, pack led story. Although they get mentioned quite a bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, right. they, this is their third story. Uh, I do like it's very on brand for them to their planet to be called Packled Planet.
2: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> very unimaginative. Um, and then I, and they figure out who's in charge by how big their helmet is. Yes. Yeah, I don't have a big <laughs> enough helmet for that. Big yeah, helmet. I,
1: I I like when Janeway beams down and she's ta- uh, Freeman, beams, Freeman. Yeah. beams down and yeah. she's talking to their ambassador and she says, "I want to negotiate a ceasefire." I don't have a big enough helmet for that. Well, then I need to speak to someone with a bigger helmet. <laughs> yeah. And I like how she's, she's very specific about what she needs to speak with. It's like, yep. she doesn't say, I need to speak with someone who can. Yes. That that could provide opportunity for misunderstanding. I need someone with a bigger helmet. <laughs> right. yeah.
0: And we get successively bigger helmets from the Queen, the King, and the Emperor, because, of course, they yeah. have all of in, those things. In, until a revolution
1: Revolution occurs
0: a revolution yep. yes um, <laughs> uh, before we jump ahead i do i don't want to miss the line where uh Shax beams down with captain freeman and says in the transporter room if you keep doing picard level diplomatic stuff they'll give you an enterprise which i because uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're handing out enterprises apparently <laughs> so that's good also um it was, you mentioned, and it was a bit of a slip there, uh, the packlets keep calling Captain Freeman Captain Janeway, which yes. is, is funny because apparently <laughs> well they can't tell Welcome,
1: Captain Janeway. Yeah, you tried yeah.
0: to trick us. You you told <laughs> us you were Captain Janeway. No, I can't tell you it's
2: Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they still call all ships enterprises because at one point uh, when the spy comes back down from the ship, he says, yeah, this enterprise, you know, he's talking about, yeah. the the cerritos as an enterprise
0: <laughs> right 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 yes uh the uh i was gonna say no i'll get to that there's another captain thing i want to talk about but as we go go on but when we get to the red shirts uh but i did want to mention the uh anomaly Consol- consolidation duty which it's another one of those funny things like you sit around having a beer with a bunch of star trek fans and you and you and you kind of say an, can you imagine how much like dangerous junk they could <laughs> they collect over time when they're all going on all these away team missions, all these missions i mean they their cabins must be full of really dangerous stuff that they've collected and it's and so the writers obviously did that and sat down and came up with well someone's going to have to clean that up, and that's a lower deck uh, problem so i did yeah. i I enjoyed that. that process this is one of the things again that i love about lower decks is it's a bunch of fans sitting around going could you imagine if
1: and then being able to do that in a show so i really like that i i i I like it as well i also like the sequence that this resulted in because Mm -hmm. we get effectively lots of sight gags
0: Yes, um,
1: because they they're collecting all these weird objects that officers have brought back, and they each have something they do that gives us a sight gag.
0: Yes, yeah, and interesting if you watch it, all of the uh, right up to the end, except for the very last one, all of the bad stuff happens to Mariner and Rutherford, caused by Tendi. Like Tandy drops yeah. the thing, she knocks the thing, she touches the thing, and and then all this bad stuff happens to 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 Marin and Rutherford until the end one where she turns into the Scorpion King.
1: Uh, which or, I <laughs> well, well, until there's a flip late in the game. The yeah. first one is, I mean, she. She has to deal with these pigs that come to life from a, a book that she 's opened right um these giant pigs, and then she gets eaten and pooped out by a big slug
0: that's right that's right that's yeah. the, and the, then <laughs> she and
1: those are the things that sour her on this experience as she's holding a mood altering cube, and right. that's yeah. what turns her into the giant scorpion, right.
0: I wonder if it was a scorpion king homage, like I literally just thought of that <laughs> as we were talking about it, like I wonder if because that was like in the in the in the history of worst special effects in in film it was the scorpion king from the mummy uh mm. played by the rock who also uh, guest starred in mm-hmm. star Trek at one point Tsukatsu, yes um so I, I, that's an interesting i I'd love to see it behind the scenes and see what the producers say about that
1: Yeah, but the Scorpion King didn't had, I mean, he was like a scorpion centaur. Yeah, yeah. And and Tindy here was not a scorpion centaur. She was full scorpion. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: So uh, let's talk about where Boimler is in all this. He's with the red shirts, the cool kids. And I just think it's funny that they call themselves. Yes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It it sounds invincible. Yes. It makes us sound invincible. (laughs) So
1: obviously the joke there is on the original series, red was for security. Yes. And so you had lots of security agents dying, but not the bridge crew and so there became this legend that if you're wearing a red shirt your chance of dying goes way up actually it's not true they've done statistical counts of how many people were wearing what color shirts uh-huh but and and it's and red is doesn't is not unusually fatal right um but the uh that's the reputation the shirt got and then in the course of the movies, they flipped it. So now red is the command color. <laughs> and so now if you want to be a commander, well, you want to be a red shirt. Right, right, exactly.
0: And uh, they, the cool kids, and it's really, it's, it's high school click, right? They want Boimler to join them now because he was on the Titan and served under Riker and therefore probably has special cool information that will help them rank up. Like uh, how often
1: does Riker polish his tr- trombone?
0: <laughs> yes, that was, yeah. <laughs> and how and he's, uh he's, he's got bigger pants because he has longer legs and yeah that whole thing. They keep asking him these weird questions about like Riker, and it's funny because why have they settled on Riker as the great captain to follow? And, I mean, part of it is because Riker's the one who's shown up in lower decks as opposed to Picard. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, and also Picard has kind of disgraced himself as, at this point. I mean, he true. he he gave that terrible interview that ruined his reputation twenty years ago or whatever.
0: Right, 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 right. Mm. Uh the interesting thing is is like the, the, the red shirts make themselves seem like they have special access. They're like they're going to be able to be you know acting captain and it turns out they they don't. They they're they're also mm-hmm. just as much nobodies as the rest of the lower deckers. They just think of themselves exactly. as more important. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, interesting. Of,
1: of, the, of the redshirt group, so apparently there were five of them, but one of them named Pajok just got transferred up to some other ship. Yeah. And Pajok sounds like an Andorian name. We have an Andorian among them, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if she's the Jennifer Andorian we met briefly a few episodes she ago. Is. Yeah. yeah. We also have uh, two, one, definitely one human. And what I think is another human uh, a female, and mm-hmm. then we have a Kazenti, and so this explains the Kazenti we've been seeing uh, in the background in recent mm-hmm. episodes. He actually gets some lines in this, and there's a favorite moment of mine uh, with him where um they're they're giving Boimler a command makeover right. and they 're addressing things like his posture he doesn 't carry himself like a captain, and the Kazenti is saying to him, like, your current posture is like this. And then he exaggerates it and does this schlump move where he's like uh, becomes he looks like a hunchback or something. And that's the exact posture the telepath Kazinti used in the episode of the animated series that's The Slaver right. Weapon.
0: Right, right, right. That's funny. I love these these deep callbacks that only like you have to really be a fan
1: to to get these things, and it's it's awesome. Um, so, I also love when they're having Boimler give his you know pretend he's a commander in a dire situation, and they they're doing improv essentially yeah. it's like okay here's this element that's going on you've got a time anomaly here's this other element that's going on here's this third element now mix them into a speech and, and give us a command speech and yep. he's trying and failing and i love i forget the name of the lead red shirt but he's like casey. we should mutiny yeah casey is like yeah we should mutiny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. and and then that's when he finally comes up with the the very inspiring speech that says really nothing but yeah
1: you know. <laughs> but they they tell him to channel his inner Riker and say what Riker would say in this moment and suddenly he comes off with this much better speech yeah. although that I was also hop- also sounds kind of
2: like Riker <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for a jazz uh, thing in there though like some jazz yeah. reference that would have been really good but,
2: but they did yeah. throw in the, the Enterprise D-bridge behind him as he's going through the this, yes. this speech. Yeah.
0: The bridge is wherever
2: you are, <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> but I'm not on the bridge. But the bridge is wherever you are. Uh, so, and then we have the 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 pack leads. They've sent this quote unquote uh, asylum seeker, who's really a spy, which they catch onto right away because he says, "Show me your shields, <laughs> how they work," yeah. <laughs> and uh,
1: and and your crimson force field, which is a, a reference to an imaginary defensive weapon from the Samaritan snare when they were first introduced. Yeah, um, basically, Geordie LaForge told them the Enterprise D had this thing called a crimson force field that would disarm their photon torpedoes. And really, he himself, because he was on the Packled ship at the time, they were holding yeah. him hostage mm-hmm. and he disarmed their photon torpedoes and Riker blew a bunch of Uh, hydrogen or something out of the out of the enterprises whatever and (laughs) and to simulate the crimson force field and so all these years all these years later the pack leads are still trying to figure that out (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) haven't got the gag yet
0: so he's on board and then you get ransom and uh the uh tamarian i forget his name um kashan yeah yeah they're they know he's a spy, but Freeman has told them, find out what he knows. So they're, they're giving mm-hmm. him a tour of all the very secret places on board, including the top secret Cerritos gift
1: shop.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he's
1: wearing like a Cerritos T-shirt thereafter, <laughs> after they get done with the gift shop. Right. I like Which, I like with Kayshawn, um, we get some more new um, Children of Tama phrases. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they don't buy, they don't stop to explain them. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is nice. We just have to figure him out from context. Kay, uh, so Kayshawn is apparently still working security, though. Now this is creating a problem because Shax is also working security. I need to know who the security head is and what their <laughs> relationship is. Right, right. So I'm expecting an answer before end of season on that. Yes. Um yeah. But uh as as the so called asylum seeker is betraying the fact he's actually a spy to them, Kayshawn turns to Ran, ransom and says, You getting the Basminti when he pulled out the veil vibes from this guy? Yeah, I think he's a spy too. <laughs> I
0: like, now I want to hear that story about the Basminti. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, but I, uh, and so apparently there was some guy named Baz Minty who pulled out a veil as part of an espionage plot. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> then uh, while Ransom and Kayshawn are kind of gloating over the fact that this guy is so dumb and they're going to get so much information out of him about the leds, they turn around and he's gone, which is kind of funny because it's like <laughs> he's, yeah, <gone>. yeah. <laughs> it's, he's he may be dumb, but you, you let him get away and he's wandering around the ship.
2: So that was that was pretty well, good. I, I I wrote down you know they all uh, they underestimated him and then later as he's floating out in space because he thought the airlock was a bathroom or not. Yes. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I pressed flush. And
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. well, I mean, what there was such great comedic timing on that, that little scene where it's like, he's gotten away from us. And then you see him floating by outside the window in space. <laughs> I mean, just, that was a great moment. Um And then they
1: revive him in sick bay.
0: Yes. Because yep. there's, there's Dr. Are strong. They're, they're
1: strong. They're <laughs> strong. And you actually don't die immediately in space anyway.
0: Yes. And depending on their physiology, yeah. maybe they can
1: you know, survive for right. short yeah. periods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, even hum- if you're a human and you get blown out into space, you're going to have about 30 seconds to suffer.
0: <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure that's good. So, uh, yeah, if you have the uh, Apple TV Plus uh, series called For All Mankind kind of explores this idea. So it, that's actually mm. kind of interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. And do not try to hold your breath expel all of the oxygen from your lungs immediately it's your only chance to keep your lungs from rupturing yes yes. exactly keep that in mind uh
0: so tendy's desire to have she she's her desire was to have fun with her friends taking out the trash she thought well anomaly consolidation duty sounds like fun we never get to go on cool missions right except every episode they do so (laughs) Some kind of cool mission, <laughs> so I think it's kind of funny. Like, well, we're always complaining we don't get to do cool stuff, yet they've been doing cool stuff all along. They just don't recognize it. So I thought that was funny. Uh, and then we have this the the red shirts, specifically Casey, because he seems to be the ringleader of this. They they kind of say to boymo "Look, you've got to leave these lower deckers behind and and come with us because being a Starfleet officer is about inspiring others." And Boimel's like, "No, it's about doing stuff." You know, we we work there was a line we work in starfleet slimes a given like like being in starfleet is about getting your hands dirty not about standing on a a pedestal and orating which is what they end up doing instead of fixing things
1: to be fair to casey's perspective that's a lot of what we see the the commanders doing (laughs) that's true in star trek shows is orating and inspiring people rather than actually doing stuff but then that's Sort of not the inspiring part as much, but not getting your hands too dirty is actually what higher ups do in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You don't want your general. This isn't ancient Egypt. You don't want your commander in chief leading the battle against the Hittites. <laughs>
2: right. mm-hmm. That's true. Um, That's true. You, yeah.
1: you want him safely protected and he orders people to go into battle with the Hittites.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and, and most of the time. You know, if you're in the military, if you're if you're, you know, enlisted like I was, you only really saw your commander if he was doing some kind of inspection round where he was going through and, and you know, inspecting the offices or uh, had some commander's call or something like that. So you didn't see them in the day to day work that they did. Right. You saw them just with these special moments where it would be the more, you know, give the inspirational speech and. <laughs> Stuff like that. True, true.
0: Although when the time comes, the the red shirts all line up and are simultaneously giving <laughs> conflicting inspirational speeches when yeah. Boimler runs in to fix things
1: it's it's interesting as soon as the first one steps forward and starts doing the inspirational speech you see the facial expressions of the people they're inspiring start to warm to that yes and then as soon as the second one gets up and starts counter inspiring them they start looking confused
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, another great line that occurs around that moment the point is when casey's derisively rejects boimler's you know friends uh of the lower deckers says uh this isn't a friendship. It's a starship.
1: <laughs> and there's a good follow online to that. Yeah. Are you a star?
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a friend. Uh, and then in the end, like, so what they're competing for is like they that Casey has heard that someone's going to get to be acting captain. Ransom is going to pick someone, you know, a, low, a junior officer to be acting captain. And uh, they're for all like competing the, for, for like it. the
1: For like the end of a shift. Yes. So Mm -hmm. like the watch officer, who I guess is ransom, is going to take a break. And whoever's whoever the new watch officer at the end of that shift is going to be is going to be the acting captain, captain till the shift ends. Right. And this is something they don't really make clear early on, like because I'm going, what do they mean acting captain? Is this some kind of regular permanent position? Right. Mm -hmm. And no, it's not. It just means you're going to be the watch officer until the end of the shift. Right.
0: Right. And he, you know, disdainfully, because Boimler makes a fool of himself, quote unquote, to solve the situation with Tandy. And he rejects that like you should, you know, shouldn't make a fool of yourself. And therefore, he rejects them, puts himself up to ransom. I want to nominate myself as acting captain. And Ransom's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Like, he doesn't care. Yeah. And then gives Boimler kudos. For solving the situation with Tandy, and then Casey gets to be acting captain for ten seconds until Shax comes in yeah. <laughs> and tells him to get out of his seat and go clean up the airlock where the that did something unspeakable. Which is <laughs> 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 it was an awesome moment for for uh, Casey to get us come up, and so that was that was good.
1: There is a nice moment in there of sympathy for casey where we after ransom has told him i'm i'm heading out of the bridge you're acting captain for now um we get this shot of of casey as he's looking at the captain's chair Mm -hmm. and we see the view screen of space behind his head and we see his eyes and he's like starting to tear up This is clearly a very, certainly his eyes are sparkling, and this is clearly an emotionally meaningful moment for him. And as a fan, you know, I I think that works. You know, I think mm -hmm. fans in the audience will understand what it means for this character to be able to sit in the captain's chair legitimately. And I think that'll be moving for a lot of fans. And I like that they give that little bit of redemption there to uh, to Casey before he has to go clear the fouled airlock. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Uh,
0: And then we we end with the the the. Tendi managed to smuggle or Mariner managed to keep one of the anomalies for herself, a sub manifold casting stone, which is basically like, I think like a ventriloquist device that works across space. (laughs) And they they decide to use it to prank call Armis of the skin of evil, which yeah. is probably my, might be my favorite ending to a Lower Decks episode because, oh, my gosh, <laughs> Armus deserves a prank calling in, just in general. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I I like how they're talking to Armis over the over the space phone, essentially. And it's like, ooh, where are we? You can't see us. Ooh, I'm touching your stuff. And Armis <laughs> is like, what stuff? <laughs> where are you <laughs>
0: <laughs> clearly a callback to home alone where uh the, the 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 i can't remember the kids names for the little kid Seven kevin yeah I'm, uh, come out i'm touching your stuff to his, to his older brother who's a jerk you know i'm touching your stuff <laughs> so yeah. that's a that's clearly a uh don't know much in my mind anyway to that so mm-hmm. uh and, and then uh he trips over a stone while uh, ranting about uh at them and uh he's just a pool of bleep uh as i think mariner calls him so yeah that was a great yeah. a great moment so very good
2: anything else father cory so i love uh the kind of the last part with uh Captain Freeman and in, in the the pack lids where the oh, spies yeah. brought, beamed down to her down, back down to pack lid planet. And she's understood. She understands the pack lids so well. She uses her, her psychology on them. So well, it's like, yeah, you were such a good spy. We weren't able to get any information out of you whatsoever. No, I was a good, I was a very good spy. I didn't tell you that we've got a bomb going to earth right now. <laughs>
0: right. <that's> right.
2: <laughs> Jimmy, how about and, you? and she oh. just looks at Shaq and go beam us up, get us Be- out of here. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: <laughs>
1: So, Jimmy, how about you? I I really liked the pack led humor. Um, they they do it well without overdoing it. They mm-hmm. could push it further, and I think it wouldn't work as well. But they keep it restrained enough. But it just ends up being really funny. I mean, I I I just love the line, and they don't make anything out of it. It just goes by really fast. But I just love the line about there's you know they're they're having a revolution. Yes, <laughs> where yeah. they're combining the words rebellion and revolution. Um, I, and <laughs> I then I also really like at one point they're being diplomatic with Captain Janeway and <laughs> uh, and it's like uh Okay, she's a female human, and the only female human captain you can think of is Janeway. So she becomes Janeway. Um, but uh, they're being diplomatic with her, and it's like, you want rotten mush fruit? <laughs> it's like, no, she doesn't want rotten mush fruit. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. <laughs> So uh, another another good uh, Lower Decks episode, I think, is uh, so a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. All right, uh, let's move to our listener feedback. And uh, our first feedback is an email from Brian Terrell, who writes, I can think of at least one way in which a species like the Pacleds might make sense. Suppose that instead of a sleep cycle like ours, they were to have non-overlapping periods of high physical activity and high mental activity. That would allow them to dream up very complex schemes and figure out how to exploit technologies they acquire, but would also result in all of the actual execution of their plots being done by low intellect brutes. It could make evolutionary sense that a species might be optimized to put most of its waking energy into physical exertion, but still have higher level cognitive ability during a sleep period. What do you think of this theory?
1: I think it's a fascinating theory. Um mm-hmm. I really like it as an idea. Um I want I, I find myself though testing it and and saying, okay, how would this work in, in actual evolution? Um the reason that we sleep is a bit of a mystery scientifically. Mm-hmm. Um every known uh, animal organism has an equivalent of sleep, even if it's it, it may not be exactly like what we do, but they have an equivalent cycle that they go through. And and it rest does not seem to be an adequate explanation for why we have this cycle. Uh, One of the people may want to check out the mystery of sleep episode of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World where I talk about this. But one of the theories is that we have sleep not just to rest, but also to help our immune system deal with uh, pathogens. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the requirements of sleep, because it is not easily shaken off, that's the difference between sleep and rest. If you're resting, you know, you're laying on the couch and a giant monster lumbers into your um, to your den. Well, okay, you immediately are able to respond if you're just resting, but you're not immediately able to respond if you're sleeping. Right. And so um so in order for to have an equivalent of sleep um you need to be in a position of relative safety. So your waking active phase is going to be the phase where you're most active is going to be the phase where you're most exposed to danger because you're doing things like getting food and mates and avoiding predators and stuff like that. And so you're going to need your mental faculties, whatever level you have of them, in your most dangerous phase. Mm. And it seems uh, I'm not saying it can't be done, but it would require I I find it interesting. I'd love to think about this more. Mm -hmm. What would result in a species needing its intellectual prowess during its inactive phase rather than during its active phase? because if pack leads are, I mean, maybe they're doing all their scheming in their dormant phase, but then when they go into their active phase, what happens when they encounter something they didn't plan for, you know, an Mm -hmm. actual danger. And so I, I think it's interesting, but I'm not uh, I'm not immediately clear on how evolution would favor this. I think there'd need to be another factor that would be involved that
2: I haven't identified yet that would lead to an evolutionary scenario like this. Right. Well, and, and as I said, kind of during the recording, you know, we see pac Planet and it looks like a civilization, like a real developed civilization, not things cobbled together. And so, I wonder, as I said, I wonder if they're going to explore that, but that would make me wonder if it's not an evolutionary issue that they've developed the way they are, but it is something that has happened in their evolutionary process that stunted them at some point.
0: Kind of like the humans in uh, WALL-E, where they
2: Mm -hmm. end up, you know, uh, sedentary couch potatoes. So I, like I said, it'll be interesting to see if 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 they just they did the, the the fully developed backlit planet as kind of a gag or if this is something they are actually working towards towards mm. the end of the season, which they only got a couple more episodes, but they'll explain what happened or or another
1: movie, uh, Mediocracy, right? Oh, yes.
2: The, I, Idiocracy here. Idiocracy. That's Idiocracy. It. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, right, right. You know, one of the, this kind of brings up one of the things I've been, I was wondering, which is how much of what Lower Decks introduces. Is is considered canon for the
1: other series? It's. I'm considering it all canon. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I, I love. One hundred I love the fact that now, if you go on Memory Alpha and look up Packled, it says the name of their planet is Packled Planet. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it, it would be interesting to see that it show up in Picard, for instance. That they are that. Oh yes, i remember the Packled War. The <laughs> that that we had. Mm-hmm. You know, like to mention these things in the dramatic series the the things that happen in the comedic animated series
1: that would be kind of fun i i yeah i mentioned that before and i expect we will get that because of just how delicious the idea is to the writers (laughs) of these series yeah yeah that should be interesting i mean if they if they're bringing riker into lower decks they need to bring lower decks into one of the others oh that i want to see i want to see Moimler
2: and Mariner in Picard at some point. <laughs> I, I have
1: I've thought the same thing. I would like to see them take the actors of the four lower deckers and put them, let them have cameos in live action. That would yeah.
0: be interesting to do. Yeah. Just a cameo. They'd have,
1: to, they'd have to paint the actress who, you know, plays Tindy with green makeup. But right. um, but there's and give um, the actor who plays Rutherford a partially mechanical Head prosthesis, but that yeah. that those are easy things to do. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely.
0: So our, our second bit of feedback comes from John Tabbert, who sent an email and he said, I just wanted to say that as a Star Trek fan for a while and a Catholic convert, I very much enjoy your podcast, and I typically don't enjoy listening to podcasts. Well, John, hopefully that you'll start listening to more Star Quest podcasts and you'll see that they're they're very much similar. I also agree <laughs> with you all that lower decks is the best of the new track I've seen so far, despite some cringeworthy moments, which in a way I don't like because of the nature of it being an animated comedy series.
1: I don't like the cringeworthy moments because they're cringeworthy.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I get we we say, animated series can sometimes draw in kids thinking it's safe and then you have that stuff. So that might be what John means.
1: Well, yeah, although these days, I mean, the Flintstones were really the, f- the first thing to start to break away. From the this is just for kids. And subsequent to the Flintstones, we've had the Simpsons and American Dad and Bob's Burgers and Harvey Birdman, attorney at law and all kinds of stuff. So there's there's a widespread. um Understand. perception yeah. if, in the culture that this, these yeah. are not just for kids anymore. And, and, and we're not talk, even talking about some of the stuff you see in Japanese cartoons. Yeah, yeah. right. That, um, exactly. <laughs> and so parents today do need to be vigilant about that. And I would assume most parents in thinking about Lower Decks are probably not going to assume it's My Little Pony.
0: <laughs> That's mm-hmm. true, true. Uh, and then John finishes, hopefully they end up become, uh coming up with better material in the future for other series. Compared to Picard and Discovery so far. So, uh,
1: yeah. And I would say for me, Discovery is the bottom of the barrel of these things. Mm-hmm. Picard, even though it's got elements I don't like, it's, I would say Picard is way better than Discovery. Yeah. Um,
2: but it's still not as good as Lower DAX.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And- yeah. Yeah. Pro- Prodigy looks like it's, it's got some potential to it. Obviously, you know, Strange New Worlds looks, if they keep, you know, the same, uh, with Pike and, and uh, number one and all them, if they keep that that same energy they had it with Discovery with those characters, it's going to be fantastic. So
0: yeah,
2: and even then, Section 31 may turn out to be uh,
1: well, because it's going to have Ash Tyler and it's going to have um, Giorgio Empress Giorgio. And yeah. and she certainly is a fun character as long and, and she might be a restraining influence on the political correctness of the show, which is one mm-hmm. of the worst problems of Discovery is it's gone in this totally woke direction where everything is about emotionally affirming each other instead of actually yeah. doing stuff and
2: getting on with it. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're together in our togetherness of, of living the life of togetherness.
0: Group hug. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you, John and Brian. Yeah. for your feedback. And we love getting yeah, feedback. Great feedback. From yeah. Uh, before we finish, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Matt and Jesse L., Joe D, Marshall B, Dave D, and Catherine O. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that is it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of The Spy Humongous, this Lower Decks episode. And you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send us an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Lower Decks. But until then, Jimmy Akin, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek.
1: Thank you. And you want the rotten mush fruit? (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Father Cory Stika, he, <laughs> he doesn't want The rotten mush fruit <laughs> Father Cory Stika,
0: thank you as well Thank you, Dom And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest And remember Computer, taffy, honey, shrimp, soda, corn steak Chicken nugget, crispy lemon, rock candy, chili gravy Chocolate sundae, hot